Yechezkel chapter 48. Chapter 48 is the final chapter of Yechezkel, and the final chapter in which Yechezkel speaks of his vision, his future vision of the land of Israel, where the temple is at the center, where God is at the center. Everybody lives around the temple in one way or another. In chapter 48, last chapter of this book, I would say remarkable book, describes the apportioning of the land. Now, the Torah already described the way the land is to be apportioned according to the tribes. Yechezkel has a different vision from what the Torah says. The Torah, at the end of the book of Bamidbar, book of Numbers, both tells us about the boundaries of the land and also how the land is to be apportioned. And the Torah says it's apportioned through a lottery. There's a lottery which determines which tribe ends up where. That's what the Torah says. And the book of Yoshua, which talks about the land actually being apportioned, is along similar lines. In Yechezkel, let's start with this. There's no lottery. Yechezkel is simply told how the land is to be apportioned, and it doesn't seem to conform to the way the tribes are set up in the Torah and the book of Yoshua. So, for example, in Yechezkel, every tribe gets the same amount, the same amount of land. The way it, it works is, from north to south, there's a line drawn from east to west, and presumably, it's the same territory, and the tribes are given, each tribe is given a section, and I would also add that the sections in Yechezkel's boundaries do not seem to include what's called Eva Hayarden, the other side of the Jordan. They go till the Jordan. They don't seem to go beyond the Jordan. Now, in Yechezkel's division of the land, no lottery, tribes are assigned, but they're not exactly assigned the same places they're assigned in the Chumash or in the book of Yoshua. The tribe of Don is all the way to the north. In the Torah, or book of Yoshua, Don was, had a more central place, then they leave and take their own land up north. But in, in Yechezkel's vision, the tribe of God, for example, is all the way on the bottom, on the south. And Asher and Naphtali and Don are in the north. Menashe and Ephraim, they do have two different portions. That is true. And it goes from north to south. You have seven tribes, the seventh being the tribe of Yehuda. And then what is described over here, the first seven tribes, this is chapter 48. Yehuda is described in verse, is mentioned in verse number eight of chapter 48. And then, the chapter speaks of the truma, the truma, the reserve that you set aside for God. In the middle, between the seven tribes and the five tribes, there's a space. And this space has three different parts to it. Actually, it has four parts to it. The first section, where the temple is found, is also the section reserved for the priest. The space in its entirety is 25,000 cubits by 25,000 cubits. So, you have the space of the northern side, 25,000 by 10,000 is reserved for the priests, for the Kohanim. The next 10,000, 25 by 10, is given to the Levium. That's beginning in verse number 12. The Levium have this space. I would just add that the Kohanim we're speaking of in the book of Yechezkel are the Kohanim from Tzadok. We remember that B'nai Tzadok are the ones chosen and the only ones chosen 
to serve as Kohanim in the, in the temple. The Leviim are given the next block of 25,000 by 10,000. And this is very interesting because in the Chumash, that's not at all what it says. In the Chumash, the Torah says, towards the end of the book of Bamidbar, which talks about apportioning the land, that there are Levite cities. The Levites have 48 cities. Presumably, each tribe gave them four cities. But whatever it is, it's 48 cities. Six of those cities are cities of refuge. So there are six cities of refuge, which are Levite cities, an additional 42, for a total of 48. And they're in all different places. In Yechezkel's temple, the Levium have their own place. They're all in one place. Maybe it's as big as the 48 cities. I have no idea. But he speaks of the Levium having their own space. So that's 10 by 25 and 10 by 25. And what's left is 5 by 25. The 5 by 25 is, in verse number 15, so the remaining 5,000 by 25,000, that shall be a city. Not a holy city, it says chol. A city for common use, serving for dwellings and pasture. The city is in the middle, so it, it explains. There's 4,500 cubits, and 250 on either side of that is for migrash, is for pasture or, yeah, pasture. So, a total of 5,000 altogether. Now, what happens in the city is a very good question. So, it's not totally clear what happens in the city, but what it says that the workers in the city from all the tribes of Israel shall cultivate it. Verse number 19. Verse number 19. So, Kol Shiftei Yisrael. So, interesting, this city is not, is not a particular tribe. It's a city that belongs to all the tribes. It's interesting that the city of Jerusalem, for example, in the Talmud has a dispute. Is the city of Jerusalem belong to a particular tribe? Or is the city of Jerusalem a place that belongs to all the tribes? Yerushalayim nitchalkal rishvatim, alone nitchalkal rishvatim. Now, what's very striking is, that even though this temple presumably is in the area of Jerusalem, it's described early as being south. It's not south Israel, but it sounds like it's, it's on a mountain. It's south. And it sounds like it's, if it's not Jerusalem, it's proximate to Jerusalem. But Jerusalem is never mentioned here. Jerusalem is mentioned earlier in Yechezkel's book, where he has many critiques. Tell them about the abominations of Jerusalem. But here, Jerusalem by name is never mentioned. So we have the city, and the city seems to be a, it's not a holy city. So what is it exactly? What is it? So here it's interesting, before I come back to this, that we come back to the Nasi. We saw the Nasi has special roles in the temple, though he's not a priest. But here it says that Nasi has its own lands. And the lands of the Nasi are two strips of land, long strips of land, which adjoin on the eastern side and the western side the land that is apportioned to the twelve tribes. So he has a lot of land, the Nasi, but his own space is not close to the temple. It's, it's farther east and farther west. We remember that in the book of Yechezkel, that God had complained about the fact that the kings 
Cheskel says, the kings of Israel would bury their dead right next to the temple. We know from various parts of the Tanakh that the palace of the king and the palace of the temple were right next to each other, maybe even connected to each other. When it comes to this Nasi, who I believe is the king, he's a king though, but his own space is not next to the temple. In a way, he's farther away from the temple. From east and, uh, east and west, he's the farthest away. There should be no confusion between the place of the king on one hand and God's place on the other. And that's true of the temple, obviously. And even the, the ear, the city, it's not clear what, the, what function the city has. It sounds like the city is there in one form or another to be helpful to the temple. And all of Israel is there. And the city has a name. The last verse of Yechezkel, Saviv Elef, Miyom Hashem Shama. The circumference of the city is 18,000 cubits. And from that day on, the city shall be called Hashem, God, is there. It's the name of the city, Hashem Shama. It's interesting that it might have said the name of the city is Jerusalem. It doesn't say that. The name of the city is Hashem Shama, God is there, which seems to be a very fitting way to end the book of Yechezkel, which is all about God's presence. That's how it starts. That's what he discusses during the course of the book, and that's how he ends as well. There are similar verses elsewhere. Yeshayahu talks about Jerusalem, actually. In those days, says Yeshayahu, they won't call it abandoned, Azuva. They'll call it Derusha, the city that is sought out. And here in Yechezkel, it's not Jerusha, Hashem Shama. God finds God's place at the end of the book of Yechezkel, and he envisions that God's presence in the midst of the people has healing effects, brings prosperity, and brings deep healing to all the people. Those are the waters that emanate from God's temple, even to the most parched lands, even to the most difficult situations, God's waters can be healing.